I want to just quickly uh, mention that beginning the week of September 26, we're doing something in our church that we have not done in at least 14 years. At least 14 years. It might be beyond that. We're going to have a, a church-wide study on a particular topic. Uh, and uh, right now we have about 50 small groups that are going to be gathering virtually or in person for a five-week span beginning the week of September 26. Uh, to go through uh, this book, The Deeply Formed Life. And The Deeply Formed Life is a book that I wrote last year based on our five values uh, that we have as a congregation, our five M's that Pastor uh, Jackie talked about. And so uh, if you're looking to join a small group, if you're looking to start a small group, uh, we would love for you to be part of this. Again, this is, we want to do things a little bit more together as a congregation, focusing on things uh, at the same time. And so next week at the end of the service, virtually, there's going to be like a Q&A for those of you who are looking for information about joining a group or starting a group. That's going to be for about the 30 minutes after next week's service. Just be on the lookout for that. But I want to get as many of us uh, in our congregation to be studying, praying around the same uh, issues and topics uh, together. And so I'm very excited. The first time in about 14 years that we've ever done this, and I think God is going to do something wonderful in our community. Now, we are looking today at the discipline of fasting, the discipline of fasting. And some of you heard I was preaching about this uh, last week. I mentioned it, and you still came to church. Good on you. Uh, uh, and so this is not something that most of us are very excited about, but I think it's really important. And before we get into some of the specifics about theology and about actually practicing this spiritual discipline, I wanted to give kind of a pastoral disclaimer at the, at the front end in terms of who shouldn't fast from food? And I just say this because what will happen is I'll get a lot of questions at the end of the service or emails. And so I want to be as clear as I possibly can because these things uh, need to be nuanced, especially as we're talking about fasting from food. I'm not just going to talk about food today, but it's a big part of what I'm talking about. And so women who are pregnant or nursing shouldn't fast from food. Uh, neither should anyone who has an eating disorder uh, or one who has had one in the past. Uh, children under 12 uh, should not fast, and teens should be supervised uh, if they're fasting from all food. Uh, diabetics and people with kidney disease should not fast. The frail elderly should not fast from food. People who take medication with food. Some of you are going to hear this sermon and go, oh, I'm supposed to take medication, but the pastor said fast. And so don't, don't, don't do that on me, all right? And so uh, if you take medication with food, people with a cold, the flu, some other temporary illness shouldn't fast. And then people with just a medical condition should check with their doctor. I should have had music playing in the background. This feels like one of those commercials where uh, do all these things here before you fast, all right? Uh, and so just that I have that out the way before this turns into a, a presentation on fasting uh, that becomes dry and all that, uh, make sure you pay attention to that. But now, let's go to the Word of God, Matthew chapter 6. And I want to just say this from the very beginning. Some of you are stuck in your relationship with God. Uh, I, I don't even know, need to know your story. To know some of you watching online, some of you in this room, you're stuck. And you're wondering, how can I get deeper in my relationship with God? How can I have a greater sense of God's presence? A greater sense of dependence upon God. I want to tell you today, this spiritual discipline of fasting might be exactly what you need to deepen your relationship with God. To deepen your sense of dependence and your awareness of God's presence in your life. And so if you're wondering, is this for me? If you're looking, if you're stuck, if you're looking to deepen your relationship with God, this message is for you. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. This is our Lord Jesus giving us these instructions. Here He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's pray. Lord, breathe on us now through the power of your spirit. Give us the grace we need for this moment. We offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Fasting. I remember the first time 
I ever fasted. It was an interesting moment. I had become a Christian, and I heard that Christians are supposed to fast. And so a few months after becoming a Christian, I decided, I think it's time for me to practice this historic ancient discipline. And so the day that I started to fast, my first experience with fa was fasting, was the day that I got baptized. The day that I got baptized. And this is me on the day of my baptism. I want you to notice two things, first of all, about this picture. Number one, I got baptized with those white socks on. Okay, I got baptized. <laughs> That's how you know I'm super saved. Okay, I got baptized with those white socks on. The second thing I want you to notice is the Brooklyn head nod, okay? I'm, I don't know if that's, that's not me praying. That's me looking at the preacher. I still had a lot of Brooklyn in me, and when are we going to get baptized? When is the service up here? So uh, just a couple of things I want you to know there. But I want you to know what happened before this, the moment this picture got taken. I was going to get baptized, and so I heard fasting is a good thing. And, and so the night before my baptism, I fasted dinner, preparing my heart to get baptized. I fasted breakfast the day of my baptism. I fasted lunch, the day of my baptism. I fasted from dinner, the day of my baptism. And then I got baptized, came out of the water. I felt really just saved. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to keep this thing going. I'm not going to eat uh, any snacks tonight, even after I got baptized. Moreover, the next day for breakfast, I said, you know what? I'm going to fast from breakfast as well. And I'm going to break my fast the next day during lunch. Now, you might be asking, how did you break your fast? Now, this was my first time ever fasting. I didn't get any instructions, didn't read any books, but all I know that two days of not eating, I was starving. And so what do I do to break my fast? I go to the local Chinese takeout. I buy as much food as I possibly can, might have had a slice of pizza as well, and I ate everything that I possibly could within a 15-minute span. About an hour later, I started feeling really, really sick. That was the first time I've ever fasted, and the last time I've ever fasted. That wasn't. <laughs> I want to tell you, that was my start of fasting, and it took me some lessons to learn about how to fast and come off of my fast. But over the years, my 21 years of following Jesus, I've had a, an interesting relationship with fasting. And I want to tell you from the starting point here that, that, that I don't enjoy it. That fasting is hard. And the reason it's hard is because it's hard. I want you to know that in the Bible, there is no spiritual gift of fasting. You're not going to find it in the Bible. There's no one who has a particular anointing for fasting. There's no one who has a spiritual gift that when they fast, it just comes easy to them. It's just, oh, this is, this is, no, no. Fasting is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for you. It's hard for all of us who are watching. This is why it is a spiritual discipline. It's not a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual discipline that invites us to, to, uh, to offer our full dependence upon God. It's a discipline. Now, I recognize that many of us have a, lot, a complicated relationship with fasting, a theologically complicated relationship with fasting. For some of us, we associate fasting with self-punishment. And we think, I need to deprive myself of something so that I can please God. And so self-deprivation is the theological rationale behind our fasting. For others, others, it's not just about self-deprivation. We believe that fasting is reserved for super-Christians. And we go, I'm not a super-Christian. I can't even find my Bible. How am I supposed to fast today? And so we're not talking about self-deprivation, and we're not talking about fasting being for super-Christians. Fasting is for everyone. And fasting is about offering our full dependence upon God. Now, it's helpful to give a very simple definition of what fasting is. Richard Foster, the great author, helps us in this regard, and I think it's a very simple and helpful definition. The practice of fasting is the practice of abstaining from food or something else for spiritual purposes. Abstaining from food or something else for spiritual purposes. Said another way, we are called to fast in order to intentionally Feast on God. We are called to fast from food 
and other things so as to feast upon the living God. And so fasting is primarily about God. Now, in recent years, there's been fasting that has come up culturally in secular society, in various places in our society. We've heard things like intermittent fasting plans, and and those things are good. It's helped a lot of people. But generally speaking, fasting and intermittent fasting and all the rest in our culture is not usually about God. It's usually about our gut. And we want to make sure that we get our gut right and all the rest. But the reason why we fast is not simply because we want to lose some pounds. The reason we fast is because we want to rely and depend upon the living God. Culturally speaking, fasting is about, I need to get into those skinny jeans, or I need to get into that bathing suit, or I need to get into that particular event and look a particular way. But fasting is essentially about the living God. We see this in this conversation that God has with the people in the book of Zechariah, where they were not necessarily fasting for God. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, God speaks to this prophet and says, Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And that question comes to all of us. When you fasted, when you went without that thing, was it really for me? And if we're honest, we say, uh, no, I was trying to get right for the summer. I was trying to get right for the summer, but, but, but forgive me, Lord. Now, of course, there's places for healthy eating and, and, and all the rest, but fasting is about God and about our maturity. And this is what Jesus is getting at in Matthew chapter 6. And what Jesus gets at first and foremost is motivation. Jesus teaches about fasting in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' way of showing us what life in the kingdom of God looks like. What it means to live in a countercultural society. What it means to keep God at the center of everything that we do. And so Jesus preaches about uh, prayer. He preaches about love for enemies. He preaches about uh, giving to the needy. And then he talks about fasting. And when Jesus gets to this point of fasting, interestingly enough, he begins with a warning. When you do it, don't do it like this. Now, a couple of things you need to know. First of all, Jesus assumes that we will fast. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. He's saying this is is part of the normal outworking of our spiritual life. When you fast, don't do it like this. He's getting at motivation. Notice, in the entire scriptures and in the teachings of Jesus, you'll never get a method from Jesus. You'll never get, hear him say, you're supposed to fast this amount of time and fast for, from these foods and do it this way. You're not going to hear that specifically from Jesus. But what you do hear from Jesus is motivation. Motive over method. And so Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. He's saying there's some religious people out there who take pride in letting other people know just how godly they are. (laughs) And so they disfigure their faces. What he means by that is they put ashes all over their faces to let everyone know I'm fasting. They want everyone to know, I'm working hard to please God. It's it's their way of loudly clearing their throat throat) to get attention. I understand this. I understand doing things uh, to be recognized, doing things to be seen. I I, I do it in, in my house all the time. There are things that I should do because I should do it, and I should not need any Uh, approval or applause from it, and yet I loudly clear my throat. And so I wash the dishes, and I clear my throat. I make the bed. Rosie, you see what I did? I I sweep the floor. Did you you notice? And, And I'm doing all these things for the sake of now being seen. Jesus is saying, these people who are fasting 
are doing it simply so that they can be recognized by other people. And you could be sure that they've already received their reward from those people in that recognition. But Jesus doesn't, comes against that and he says, when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face. In other words, be normal. No need to be super spiritual. No need to be super religious. Just be normal. He's getting at our motivation. Now, apart from this verse and maybe one or two other passages, Jesus doesn't share much more about fasting. As a matter of fact, he talks as much about why we sh when we shouldn't fast as much as how we should fast. For example, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says that there's a time not to fast. In verse 14, it says, John's disciples came and asked Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Jesus is saying something very important. There's a time to feast, and there's a time to fast. And you should not be fasting in a moment when you should be feasting. For example, when you go to a wedding, it's not a time to be super spiritual. It's a time to eat what's before you, to enjoy, to revel, to celebrate in the moment that's before you. And Jesus is saying there are times when we fast when we should be feasting. And on the flip side, there are times when we're feasting when we actually should be fasting. And so the larger principle, generally speaking, is there's a time to feast and a time to fast. In this particular passage, Jesus is saying, I'm the bridegroom. There's a ceremony that's taking place, a wedding that's happening. I am here. This is a time for us to rejoice. But there's coming a time where I will be taken. I'll be crucified. And it is at that moment when my disciples will fast. What Jesus is getting at is something so important for our spiritual lives. In that he's calling us to reject two ways of living. He's calling us to reject the way of life that's marked by self-deprivation. And some of us believe that Christianity is essentially about self-deprivation. If it feels good, it must not be of God. If it looks good, it must not be of God. If it tastes good, it must not be of God. And so Christians are often known for self-deprivation. Christians often lack delighting and joy. As a matter of fact, the older we become, the more delight deficient we become, which is why we can learn so much from children. Children teach us about joy and delight. But for many people, their lives, especially Christians, are marked by self-deprivation. But on the flip side of that, so many Christians and people in our society are marked by self-indulgence. And so we have self-deprivation or we have self-indulgence where every desire that I have deserves to be met. If it feels good, I should do it. If it looks good, there's, so no, there's no discernment at all. No discernment about what we do with our bodies. No discernment about what we put in our bodies. No discernment whatsoever. It's either self-indulgence or self-deprecation. And what Jesus is saying is, no, we are called to fast, and then we're called to feast. And those two are to be in dynamic relationship with each other. Now, before I talk specifically about fasting and get very practical here, I want to just give three very big picture truths about fasting. Why do we fast? What's happening? And the first thing I want you to know is this. The reason that we fast, number one, is so that we're not driven by our appetites. We fast so as not to be driven by our appetites, driven by our desires. We are to pay attention to God in our desires, but we are not to be driven by our desires. And so fasting is, is important because it helps us to live free from the appetites that dominate our lives. Fasting says, I want to be led by God, not by my belly. I want to do God's will. I don't want to simply do my own agenda. I want to seek God's kingdom first, not my kingdom first. And so fasting helps us to move ourselves out of the center. 
It helps us to recognize our frailty, recognize our weakness, and throw ourselves at the mercy of the living God. And so fasting forms us, number one, not to be driven by our appetites. The second goal here, or, or what fasting is supposed to do, is that the goal of fasting is not to twist God's arm to do what we want, but to align our heart to do God's will. This is really important because many people believe that fasting is magic. That if I just go without this, somehow I can persuade God. I can do some kind of Christian incantation to get God to do what I want God to do. And so your girlfriend breaks up with you. I got to change your mind. How are you going to change your mind? I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast. And by fasting, God will change my girlfriend's mind. Oh, amen. I, I, I feel the spirit now. Okay. I, I, I'm going to manipulate my circumstance now. And so I'm going to go without food to twist God's arm. That is not the point of fasting. To get God to do what I want to do. Now, to be sure, in the Bible, there were times when people experienced significant challenges, and so they fasted. But their fasting was for the sake of expressing their utter dependence upon the living God. And so it was not about manipulation. It was about articulating my utter dependence. God, if you don't do something, nothing's going to happen. And so we fast not to twist God's arm. We fast to align our hearts to God's will. And the last reason we fast, and we see this all throughout the Bible, is to give expression to our individual or collective repentance. There's so much in the Bible, whenever people are fasting, it's because it's coming out of a time of repentance. Lord, forgive us. And we are giving expression to our repentance. We're saying sorry, not just with our words, but we are now embodying our sorrow embodying our repentance lord we're fasting as a way to say forgive us we want to express our repentance before you now that's the big picture of fasting we fast not to be driven by our appetites we fast to align our hearts to god's will we fast as an expression of our individual and collective repentance and it is in this out of this truth that we're going to be called to fast at some point, whether it's daily or, or weekly, whether it's monthly, whether it's quarterly, whether it's annually, we are going to be invited by the Holy Spirit to fast. The question is, what does it look like? And I want to explore three categories of fasting. I want to look at food, technology, and other compulsions. Food technology, and other compulsions. And what does it mean in our generation to cultivate the spiritual discipline of fasting in these three arenas? First, let's talk about food. Humans throughout history have had a very complicated relationship with food and eating. It's interesting that the first sin in the book of Genesis, when sin enters into the world, it has to do with food. Ever since that time, we've had a very complicated relationship with eating, a very complicated relationship with food. In our society, Richard Foster says that in our generation, we live with this constant message, this propaganda that convinces us that, especially in America, if we don't have three large meals a day and snacks in between, we're on the verge of starvation. That's American society. You don't have three large meals and some snacks, you are on the verge of starvation. And, and when you have, that's on the one end here, and then additionally, there's this popular belief that it is virtuous to satisfy every human appetite. If you want it, pursue it. And so this is how we often relate to food. And what we've seen throughout human history is this very complicated relationship. If I can give a brief history of eating, even in just the last 1,500 years or so, what we've seen are three different equations 
that have shown the very complicated and distorted relationship that people have with food, with eating, and with their bodies. In the medieval period, there was this equation that, that thinness, if you were thin, equals spiritual. And so in the medieval period where Christians were fasting a lot and fasting to show how much they want to do God's will, people made an association. If you were really thin, it meant you're really spiritual. Wow, look at that person. Look how spiritual they are. But what began to happen a few centuries later during the Renaissance is that equation began to change. Where thin now means poor. And so thin goes from spiritual to be thin equals spiritual, highly spiritual, to thin equals poor. In other words, those who, can, who are thin cannot afford food. And so if you, no one wants to be thin because it shows that you're poor, but then it adjusts again in the 19th and 20th centuries, and 21st centuries in particular, where thin now equals beautiful. And so this is a very complicated and distorted relationship we've had with eating, with food, with our body, where whether we're talking about thin equaling spiritual or thin equals uh, poor or thin equals beautiful, we've had this ongoing relationship with food and with our bodies that we must take note of. And so humanity has had a mixed messages about food. But again, what we're trying to get at with fasting is we must reject all these categories. The reason we fast is for the sake of dependence upon God. And when you fast from food, you're going to find all kinds of resistance in you. And I want to normalize some things today. Whenever you fast, you could expect resistance. Uh, this past Friday, I knew I was preaching on fasting, and so I, I, I fasted uh, from all food uh, this past uh, Friday. And, and, and by the time noon came, I'm already getting a headache. I'm like, oh, I'm getting a headache. This is spiritual warfare. Now, here's the thing. There have been plenty of times where I missed breakfast, had a late lunch, and didn't have a headache. Sometimes I'm just doing just fine. But when I announced to myself and to God, I'm going to do a fast, all of a sudden, 1130, oh, I have such a headache. I have such a headache. So first of all, that's re there's going to come resistance in your body. I just want to normalize the reality that you're going to feel. Moreover, whenever we're fasting from food, it's really important that we take note of our legalism. This past Friday in the morning, I said, I'm fasting, and I made breakfast for my children, made them waffles, and, and made my son sausages, and my, my daughter said, can I have turkey bacon? I said, you can have some turkey bacon. Why am I doing this on a day where I'm fasting? I don't know, but, but, I'm, but I'm making the sausages and, and the turkey bacon, and, 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 and I, I serve them, and then there's an extra piece of turkey bacon that's on the counter, and no lie, I forgot I was fasting. Now, I just said I was, I just, uh, the morning just started. So, and so I grab a piece of turkey bacon, I just eat it. I just start eating. And then 30 seconds later, I realize, oh, no. <laughs> you ever did that? You're fasting, and then you forgot you're fasting? <laughs> now, in the past, when this happens to me, I would be so just like, I'm such a bad Christian. I got to start all over. The clock has to start all over now. It'd be middle of the day. And I just thought, oh, no, I had a, had a chip. And, oh, the clock has to start all over now. Lord, forgive me. That's legalism. You genuinely forgot. And I genuinely forgot. I actually laughed at myself. I was just like, look, look at this. And it's like, that was a good piece of bacon, too. And so I just, let me just, let me move on. But you have to be mindful of all the ways legalism I'm not doing it right. It's not doing it. That is not the goal. The goal is not, am I doing it right? The goal is, am I living in dependence to the living God? Because what happens is fasting reveals much about us. That's why fasting is important. It's revelatory. It reveals. It reveals so much of what we determine our well-being is based on. It reveals just how dependent we are on sugar. Amen. 
And I get every time Lent comes around, I, there's this internal kind of joke in my head where I think, you know, Jesus says you need to love your enemies and sugar is the enemy. And so, Lord, I want to love my enemies. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I, I, I get that in me. Any kind of, you'll do any kind of rationalization to get what you want. But it reveals, fasting reveals all the ways that we are dependent on so many other sources for our sense of well-being as opposed from depending upon the love of God. It reveals our idols. And so in a society that says, you should have whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Fasting says, I have limits. And so this is how I want you to think about experimenting this week. This is the invitation for you. For some of you, you're saying, I wish my life with God would be deeper. This is the invitation right for you this week. You want your relationship with God to get stronger? You want to get a heightened sense of the presence of God in your life? Here's an invitation. Start with a meal this week. Go without dinner. Go without breakfast or take an entire day to fast. And then the moments that you would actually be cooking or eating food, spend that time in prayer. Spend that time reading the Bible. Spend that time in silence. Every time your stomach grumbles, pray the Our Father. Pray the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Every time your stomach grumbles, remember to pray for those who are hungry in the world. Lord, I want to join my life to those who are poor and hungry in this little way. And if the Holy Spirit leads you even further, the money that you would spend on a meal, take that money and give it to New Life CDC, who serves poor and marginalized families. Give it to a food bank. Give it to a family that you know is experiencing financial difficulty. Now join your life to those who are poor and hungry. And so whether this is one meal, whether this is an entire day, whether this is multiple days, we're not doing this just to get some points with God. We're doing this so that we can rely utterly upon God and offer our lives as a gift to the world around us. That's food. And the invitation is that the Lord will lead you in this way. That's the first area of application. But the second area of application for today is technology. And this might be more difficult than food. If I were to tell you right now, everybody take out your cell phone and turn it off. Some, some of you don't even know where the off button is, okay? It's just like, I, 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 never, I never turned this thing off. For others, we're shaking as we're doing it. <laughs> he said, turn, I can't even, <laughs> I'm going to be missing out. And so in many respects, in our society, fasting from technology might be the more, most in, more important than actually fasting from food. In the world we live in, so, much, so many of us, and I include myself in this big time, have become so tied to our devices, so tied to our phones, so tied to social media, that our souls are desperately longing for a break. Neil Postman, a sociologist in the late 90s, he said, in the 90s, before the internet, he said that technology has a way of moving from being a tool to becoming an intruder. Tool to intruder. It intrudes on us. It intrudes in our dinner conversations. If we're even having a conversation at the dinner table. It intrudes on the ways that we are present to one another or not present. It intrudes in the sense of my basic sense of self is based upon you liking what I do and liking what I post and recognizing who I am. And we become so connected to it. And so what might fasting from technology look like? Well, it might look like turning your phone off one hour a day. and Spending that time in focused attention upon God. Or in focused attention with someone who lives in your house with you. It might be going without a phone or television for a 24-hour Sabbath period. It might be going for a long walk without your phone in hand. 
and I know exactly what you're going to say. But how am I supposed to measure how far I walked and, and all the stuff there and my calories? We'll justify anything to keep this thing. Go one day without measuring how far you walked. You know what it might mean in the words of Andy Crouch? What would it look like to put your phone to bed before you go to sleep? What if you tucked in your phone at night? Oh, yeah. And then walked away and spent an hour without going back to your phone. Reading and praying and, 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 and if you're married, making love and, and, and all the rest there. And then waking up in the morning and God help us. Praying and eating breakfast and going to the bathroom before we actually look at our devices. What would it look like for us to do this once a day or once a week? Or begin to experiment with it. For many of us, this is even harder than it is for food, which is why the Holy Spirit might be talking to all of us today to fix our attention upon God. But then lastly, we're invited to fast from other compulsions. Not just from food technology, which are in itself compulsions, but other compulsions. And I recognize that so many of us, many of us have just significant challenges and battles with compulsions that require professional help. That requires a therapist to help you along those lines. But I do want to highlight the various compulsions that we all carry to some degree or another. The compulsions to overwork and not stop working until everything is perfect and done. When in fact nothing is ever perfect and nothing is ever done. What does it mean to fast from our compulsions to overwork and workaholism of keeping Sabbath? The compulsion to give unsolicited advice. What if we begin to fast from unsolicited advice by silence? When you know I'm going to just, mm, mm, right, right, I'm fasting. Now I'm, I'm, I'm fasting from that compulsion. Uh, fasting from the compulsion to have everything neat and tidy. Fasting from the compulsion to hoard things, whether it's our money or our possessions. And now generosity becomes a means of, I'm fasting from the hoarding of all of these things. Regardless of what it is, whether we're fasting from food technology or compulsions, the goal is to root us deeply in our dependence upon the living God. And that's how I want to end before we come to the table of communion, which is a beautiful way of ending a sermon on fasting by feasting upon the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I want to talk about fasting and Jesus because it's not just that Jesus fasted during his life. The world was redeemed because Jesus fasted. I think about the last days of Jesus' life, the last minutes, the last hours of Jesus' life where he fasts from comfort. He fasts from doing his own will. He fasts from just wanting everything to be around him. He goes, no, no, no. Not my will, but your will be done. The world is healed. The world is rescued. The world is forgiven because Jesus Christ fasted. Because he said no to comfort and yes to sacrifice. Yes to self-giving love. And it is through his act of not just 40 days of fasting, but in that particular act of fasting, I am no longer doing my own will. I'm doing your will. And so, brothers and sisters, we are rescued by Jesus Christ through his act of fasting so that now we can feast on his love, feast on his grace, feast on his mercy. And that's why we come to the table of communion. Let me inv- let's pray together. We come to communion to remind ourselves that our nourishment comes from Jesus Christ. That our sense of healing and well-being comes from his love. Comes from his broken body and poured out love. That's what we feast on today. And before we come to the table and receive the elements, whether you're watching on from home or in this room today, 
Can you name your compulsions? Can you name your addictions? Where are you just stuck repeating something day after day? What is the Lord calling you to fast from? What is he inviting you to say no to, even if it's just for a part of the day or an entire day or multiple days, so that you can say yes to him? Where is the Holy Spirit right now zeroing in on your hearts? Where are you in bondage? Where are you trapped? May the Holy Spirit give us grace to say no so that we can say yes. I want to give you about 30 seconds or so of your own confession in your heart, and then we'll pray a prayer of confession on the screen. But right where you're at, confess your sins. Offer your heart to God. Offer your compulsions and your addictions. And lift that up to God, and then we'll pray a prayer of confession together. Amen. Let's all stand together. We pray a prayer of confession out loud together. And the reason we do it is because it reminds us that we're all in the same boat. There's not just half of the church that's saying it and the other half that's not. We all say it out loud because we're all in need of grace. We're all in need of mercy. We all need to be freed from something. And so let's pray this out loud together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own faults, in thoughts, in word, in deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As the people of God, freely forgiven by the body of Christ. It's all received together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. As the people of God, freely forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, let's all receive together. Lord, we are utterly dependent upon you. You are our sustenance. You are our nourishment. You are the bread of life. May we fall at your feet. May you nourish us this day. We sing to you now as a response of our gratitude and thanksgiving towards you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing as a response to the goodness of our God.
fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay in my head I will sing of the goodness of your voice and you have led me through the fire and darkest night you are close like no close our service, I'd like to invite our prayer team to come to my left. And if you came into church today with just heavy burdens and uh, maybe you've been impacted uh, recently in this past week through what happened with the storm and, or COVID or something happening in your marriage or your home, your finances, your health, let us pray for you. Uh, don't walk out of here without having someone just pray for you and encouraging you. So our prayer team will be here to, uh, to, my, to my left. I want to make you aware of, of change really quickly before I bless you all, uh, those of you watching online and those of you in the room here, that in two weeks we're going to start having two services. And so we're going to start having a 9 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service. Uh, and so we just want to make room for, for more people, especially as uh, the fall is upon us. Uh, we want to provide a few more options as well. And so just be mindful, not 1030. Spread the word, all right? Uh, 11, or, or you know what? Some of you need to be here at 1030 so that you're, you're so when 11 o'clock comes, you know what? 1030. 
9 and 10.30. Amen, somebody. All right. Uh, and so just uh, we want to get as many people as we possibly can, so we want to uh, offer another service. And we're excited about what God is doing in our community. Uh, kids' ministry will be starting up again next week. Uh, and so we want to reach many people for Jesus. There are lots of people who are in need of a touch from the Lord. And uh, we want to be part of, of that mission. For those of you watching online, at the end of this uh, service here, there's a link for a sermon discussion time. Pastor Jackie will be leading that time. And so if you just want to talk to someone, have a conversation for about 30 minutes about what you've heard today, uh, let Pastor Jackie uh, lead you and facilitate that discussion uh, for about 30 minutes. And then lastly, before I bless you, some of you, you're in this room here, you're watching online, you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You said yes to coming to a church service. You said yes maybe to reading your Bible. But you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. And so we want to help you to get started on that spiritual journey, to get baptized, to take the next step. And so if you're wondering, uh, I, I, maybe I said yes to church, but I never said yes to him. Today's word on fasting is essentially this. No food, no relationship, no accomplishment will ever sustain you and nourish you. The only one who can nourish you is the love of the living God that's been poured out in Jesus Christ and manifested in the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you're saying, I've tried this, I've tried that, would you try Jesus and let him pour out his love on you? And so whether you text yes to Jesus, that number, maybe you're watching online, or whether you're in this room today and you're saying, I want to say yes. Let our prayer team pray for you. We'd love to help you on that journey. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And as I mentioned, I'll be outside in the porch area. I'd love to meet you if you've never met before or if we haven't seen each other in a while. And so with your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, abstaining from certain things at some point this week to say yes to your dependence upon the living God. And may God nourish you and sustain you and keep you and deepen you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, and the nourishing name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said... Amen. Grace and peace to you all.